We got a lot to talk about today. We always have a lot to talk about, whether it's current events or things that we manufacture ourselves. But this time we legitimately have a lot to talk about. And we're recording this during the national championship game because that just shows our ultimate disdain for all things Michigan and also uh, maybe our lack of confidence in Washington. But right now, I want to be able to look back on these final out, these potential final <laughs> hours in which Michigan isn't a national champion. That's right. and remember this, this state of mind I was in before the <laughs> reality was tainted and corrupted by. Well, well look, that it's halftime. It's their half happiness. Time. We'll give it. We'll give an update at the end of the dubcast. It's halftime. Uh, Washington's hanging in there. Michigan's, you know, gotten a couple of nice runs, just kind of these fluky runs that they'll get occasionally from Donovan Edwards. Uh, JD McCarthy hasn't looked good at all, which you know, big shock. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. So you remember uh, that Clint Eastwood Super Bowl commercial where he's like, "It's halftime, America." <laughs> it was like raspily with that's that's what I need right now. I need a pep talk from Clint Eastwood because I'm that's not right. feeling great about how this game has gone. Yeah, same. Uh, but well, I gotta get my energy up for the for the dubcast. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. That's right. And let's talk about Ohio State sports and not Michigan sports because they're terrible and suck and we hate them. Uh, look, Ohio State. I think prior to the Cotton Bowl, um, was like, all right, well, if this Devin brown thing kind of works out and he comes out and balls out it's like okay well we don't want to alienate the dudes on the staff and and we feel like we're solid with the quarterbacks that we have then maybe we don't need to try to get somebody in the transfer portal that didn't happen that 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 didn't play out that way in fact Devin brown was not very good and then got hurt and then lincoln keenholz came in and you know looked like a, a deer in the headlights and um you know was getting just chased down every single play by an offensive line that was an absolute sieve so I, you know, Ohio State goes out, and I think, you know, maybe maybe some inklings of Cam Ward. I don't think that ever really was going to come to fruition for anybody, obviously, because he's, you know, flying his trade in the NFL. Um, but what they do ultimately do is bring in Kansas State quarterback Will Howard. And, you know, I think we could, and I, you know, I know the, the Real Pod Wednesday guys will get into all the particulars of this dude. My biggest thing about him that I am optimistic about, that I'm happy about, is that uh, it's a guy with a ton of experience. They loved him at Kansas State in terms of like his personality, his leadership uh, qualities, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know that Ohio State has really had an intangibles dude, uh, you know, or even really needed one for a while now, and and now they do. And so now I think they have that. I don't know that he's going to come out. I don't even know that he's going to be a significant upgrade for Kyle McCord. But I do think that he's a critical presence in that quarterback room that would be extremely young and green uh, without his presence. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm excited about that aspect of it. Yeah. I guess if that's the direction for the team that you want short term, then right. yeah, you're, you're happy with what that is. Me personally, uh, after, you know, seeing them roll the dice uh, with McCord this year, I was willing to say, you know what, long-term, I trust what Day is able to do when he's had multiple years of deploying one of his homegrown talents as a starter. C.J. Stroud, obviously the most prominent example of that. 
that guy just led the Texans to the playoffs and what feels like the first time in my life. But although obviously we know they've, they've made it there before. They just haven't had a much recent success uh, since uh, JJ Watt washed out of town. So I, I, I think that day still deserves the benefit of the doubt relative to quarterbacks, even if he's lost it, I think in the grander sense of, like his ability to coach the team going into next season. Um, that being said, I, I was a long winded way of me saying I would have liked to have seen Aaron Noland and seen them just run with that. Uh, I think that's you know, a perfectly like understandable take. I mean, Tyvis Powell was out there on the radio saying the same thing. And I don't think yeah. that's, I don't think that's unreasonable thing to say. I mean, it's the thing is, Will Howard, I mean, physically an imposing guy six foot five if you look at his film i mean he's he's quick he's fast he uses his uh you know his size appropriately in the running game all that stuff um but is he like a direct huge upgrade is he going to be the guy that's going to take you to the mountaintop with his arm probably not given his inconsistency and the fact that the guy uh you know throws interceptions with pretty regularity so i i don't know i i, I can totally see that perspective and um, if Aaron Nolan develops into the guy that I think he might, then you want to get him started as early as possible. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, especially in this era where you, you're barely getting, you know, the full amount of uh, time that you'd like out of a lot of these players because most of them are going to be gone uh, when they're right. draft eligible. So it's that's a great point. Yeah, there's there's something to you know, wanting to get the most out of them while they're here or not making them sit because a lot of them in some cases are impatient, uh, like Quinn Ewers was, and they'll end up going elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I just keep in mind relative to the guys that they already had coming in. <coughs> Obviously the transfer portal, just the nature of it is going to throw a, a curveball into things. I am encouraged by the fact that, you know, he was their quarterback last year when they upset TCU mm-hmm. to win the Big 12 championship so that that kind of experience he has even if you don't necessarily want to label him as the the key reason that they were able to pull off that upset um you know he's he's still the guy managing the offense for the team at that point and he got it done pretty sure he's like I, I don't know if he has the school record at Kansas State for wins but I know that he's like up there in terms of one of the uh, leaders just because of how much time that he spent there before finally moving over. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I, there's reasons to be optimistic and obviously he's going from a situation at Kansas state where they, in spite of the skilled uh, talent that they had around him in the offense last year, uh, it's, it, I think it's fair. Most people would agree Particularly, we don't know if Travion's coming back at this point or not, but regardless of whether or not they have the full suite of talent available in the offense that Ohio State had this year, minus Marvin Harrison Jr., you have to imagine that Howard is going to have better football in store for him than what he had at uh, Kansas State based on the supporting cast that he's going to uh, inherit and yeah. upgrade himself with here. So there's there's reason to be optimistic, and I think that this is 
provides a greater, like more stable floor for the quarterback room generally, particularly if someone were to get injured. Um, right. And which I, think I don't think they had a great contingency plan for in the no. uh, <laughs> uh, clearly not whatever bowl game they just played in where they opted to roll with Devin Brown. Well, and you could say that was the case for the entire season. I think it's going to be still an open quarterback competition. I actually believe that. I understand that you're you're bringing in Will Howard. You're not going to be like, okay, you know, we're going to sit this guy. That's not the case. He's going to have every opportunity to win that job. But I also think that with Ryan Day, especially the attitude that maybe he's approaching this offseason with, um, if Aaron Nolan comes in and he looks like the next C.J. Stroud, or, you know, if he even looks like the next, you know, <laughs> Kenny Guyton 2.0 and he's consistent, then they might roll with him. And I would be okay with that. Um, but I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of all plays out. I am not super, super excited uh, about it but i don't i don't think that anybody short of cam ward would have really like made me think okay ohio state's just gonna go ahead and roll with another number one guy and it's gonna be super easy um because it's not uh other transfers so ohio state uh got alabama center uh, seth mclaughlin and the funny thing to me is is that prior to the rose bowl if you told me oh ohio state's gonna get alabama center next season i would have been like hell yeah what a great upgrade Unfortunately, that took place after a Rose Bowl in which I saw this guy mishandle basically every snap. And and honestly, in my opinion, become a huge reason why they lost that game. Um, his inability to, to successfully snap the ball to Milrow was just kind of tragic to watch. And, you know, I think that honestly, if he ends up, you know, coming to Ohio State and being a starter and all that stuff, it will not be as a uh, as a center i think he'll be looked at as more of a guard because that was one of the worst uh sequences one of the worst uh full games of um center footage i think i've ever seen that was terrible so you know he grades out pretty well uh from pro pff from pro football Focus, um but overall man i don't just because that's the most recent uh thing that i've seen from this guy i don't know that it fills me with a ton of confidence well um yeah i i thought it was pretty funny when uh it started swirling that that guy was going to be taking visits to columbus because the first thing that immediately came to mind for me was what you said during the rose bowl which was literally that bama center is tragic yeah <laughs> <laughs> like every so i thought oh it's gonna snap. be funny when that guy ends up coming to columbus and sure enough yeah you know here we are. I will say it's a good thing Will Howard is six foot five because I think uh, that center is six foot four. So that's right. If he doesn't end up moving over to guard, you're going to need a, a tower at quarterback to see over that guy. So yeah, uh, Quinn. That's Jarrett, why. Uh, that's why Milrow had trouble throwing the ball for Alabama this year. No, except when he was just heaving it on fourth and twenty. That's right. Exactly off his back foot, running away, um, and somehow completing half of those. And that's uh, why we thought they were going to beat Michigan, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins uh, has, I think a lot of people would say, is kind of the inside track, or at least Ohio State is the inside track on this guy. Ole Miss running back. Um, I don't know exactly what that would mean for Ohio State and Travion Henderson. I would have to believe that, you know, that would be an indication that Henderson is is on his way out. Um 
Judkins is an interesting dude. If you look at him statistically, I mean, another guy who's kind of like inconsistent and up and down. Uh, a ton of yards um, for for Ole Miss. But you would have some games, for example, where he would destroy teams like LSU. I mean, even against LSU, he had 177 yards. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, 124 on just 17 carries. And then uh, he would play, you know, Georgia and, you know, three and a half yards per carry. Georgia Tech, 2.8 yards per carry, stuff like that. So this guy is kind of all over the place. Um, definitely a step back. His sophomore year was definitely a step back from his freshman year in a lot of ways, uh, especially statistically. But I don't know. I don't know really what that means for the running back uh, unit if, if he ends up coming in. And I would hope that you could keep everybody together, but that seems uh, unlikely. That seems like wishful thinking a little bit. Yeah, they, they need to keep Travion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I Going from uh, Travion to Judkins – is uh just feel like phonetic, downgrade. it's phonetically as displeasing as it would probably be on the field um right. i yeah i i dread that thought and the more that we kind of approach this react it it felt like we were kind of writing off that he was going to come back in a certain i don't know if most fans feel that way but i i kind of was given the di- the general direction of the class and that mm-hmm. it felt like a lot of the, the juniors are feeling like they want to, you know, stick around for one last try. It, it kind of felt like Henderson was, was woven into that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the narrative emerging that the, you know, it's kind of falling into place that Ohio state wants to, if not set maybe an example for how this kind of goes in terms of keeping your NFL level talent in college by making them comparable offers <coughs> through NIL to what they would get on their rookie deals anyway. Mm-hmm. Felt like for someone like Travion, who is in a, a difficult position relative to what the running back market is you know if he thinks he can improve his draft stock versus does he want to use this season next year to get his nfl career going um do you think do you think that he like let me ask you this so if he's he's making this consideration about the nfl versus college football do you think that he is putting more stock in the idea that he has to have a full year right at the college level where he's healthy and productive versus I have to try to get as much as I can out of the time that I have left? In other words, is he trying to build a resume for the NFL still, or is he more worried about just getting whatever he can out of his body as soon as he can? That that's a really difficult question. Um, it, it it would be impossible to give uh, for me to give a fair answer on that without actually being in his shoes. Yeah. Um, well, if you were, I mean, I like, think, I, I guess that's what I'm just thinking. Like if you were him, I mean, what would be your decision? Like would, and I, I guess for me, it would, it would a lot would depend on my draft evaluation, right? Like where I think a lot of these guys put so much work in uh, that th- when they get to the point, if they have to ask themselves that, that they probably just want to keep betting on themselves especially at the age that they're at in their early mm-hmm. 20s where they you know probably feel more emboldened to take risk and that if they fail they can still pivot into right. 
you know, doing something else. So my guess is Travion's probably in a position where he wants to get the best draft evaluation that he can, which is why he, you know, was considering coming back initially because he wasn't satisfied with the initial returns he was getting. I think a lot of us were kind of shocked that he's expected to be, I don't even think late third round. I think people were saying fourth round pick. So if, you know, if he realistically believes that he can be one of the best running backs in college football and maybe already (laughs) is that and should be uh, held as such in terms of draft evaluation, you know, maybe one complete season actually can change that narrative for him. Um, So I think long-term, I think every running back needs to look at it as, you know, how do I get the most healthy seasons? Uh, How do I get paid for the most healthy seasons that I have? So I'm not (laughs) saying that's like the best course of action for him to take, but he's a talented enough player and has proven it that you can understand why if he wanted to go the route of coming back to improve his draft stock versus just needing to get in the NFL while he's still relatively healthy, you can see why he would want to bet on himself because he's already put in enough work to make it to this level and succeed in the way that he has. Right. Well, and it's interesting because this kind of contrasts with some of the other news that we got about guys who are staying. So Tyleek Williams, for example, I think probably the biggest name on the defense uh, who's staying, but Ty Hamilton as well. A few other guys uh, I think are looking to be staying. We'll, you know, maybe hear announcements about that as we go on throughout the week. Uh, Tyler Williams, Tyler coming back. That to me is gigantic. Um, he's going to be a huge, huge part of whatever defense he's going to be on, either in college or in the NFL. I think he's an excellent player, and it, hopefully, this is just part of you know this this whole big movement where you got guys you know running it back for one more season. Regardless, that's a big deal, and I would say of all the guys coming back, at least who have said it, you know, confirmed it so far, to me, he might even be the biggest, most significant impact on the team as a whole. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I, they're, you know, Tyleek is the biggest person to say he's coming back until, uh, you know, Travion confirms. Or, well, sure. Or maybe. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see if that happens. Marv, Marv but... has not declared yet. Has he? I don't believe it's <laughs> still right. out there. That's never right. Who say knows? Never. Ohio state's going to, going to offer him $25 million. No, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, also, uh, other good news, and I got to tell you something, Tim Walton's out here just pulling in recruits left and right, but Ohio State got a 2025 commit, uh, five-star cornerback Devin Sanchez, who I think is ranked as a top 10 player in that in the 2025 uh, class. Now, granted, I will say, like, as excited as I want to get about this, um, I refuse to believe that uh, – <laughs> Any player from 2025 is committed to any team. So that's great. And I love that. Uh, But until the guy's actually on campus, I don't know that I'm going to get super stoked about it. But it does look like some of the narrative that had been said about Ohio State missing out on guys, losing guys, blah, blah, hasn't, you know, haven't had their juice that they used to have. This feels like kind of a refutation of that, especially if you get more uh, players coming back for uh, 2024. BIA is back. 
Yes. We'll see. I mean, I hope so. Uh, as far as the departures go, I mean, there's a number that we can kind of talk about. Julian Fleming went to Penn State. Uh, I don't think anybody's super shocked by that. Um, he's a, I think he's a Pennsylvania native, right? He's from, yeah, he's from Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. Um, you've got Jesse Mirko who's going to Vanderbilt. So good for him. He'll have plenty of opportunities to, to apply his trade. That's cool. Uh, and then I think the big one that maybe people weren't super uh, like, expecting i mean i know there's a number of guys on the staff that people are like all right this dude's gone right like we're not we're not going to be super shocked if parker fleming is no longer with ohio state in the next name two or three days um but perry eliano uh leaving after two seasons the safeties coach i i'm i'm a little surprised by that one i don't think the safeties have been great but i also certainly don't think they've been bad and i mean it could be a recruiting thing but it's just it seems odd to me this is an interesting and I don't think it has, first of all, I, I do want to say, I don't think it has anything to do with like timing. Like, oh, this is the first guy to go. That must mean something. I don't think that means anything. Um, but it is surprising to me just in general that he he's uh, a guy who's out. Well, the, well, there was that report. I don't know if it was a couple days ago or last week, but there was a report from Football Scoop that said there were uh, staff turnover changes coming from Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. And when that was referred to in a plural sense i mean there's many people that are speculating parker fleming still has to get his papers but the fact that it was referred to in a plural sense that multiple coaches were going to be at risk the the two immediate names that came to mind were uh fry and aliano so Mm -hmm. i wasn't as shocked to see aliano uh leave today what i think will be you know, people are more curious about seeing is, are they, is Fry also going to be shown the door? Is Fleming also going to be shown the door or are they just kind of conveniently letting the contracts on some of these guys run out? uh, And then, you know, just making it easier to dissociate from them as opposed to actually ripping off the bandaid. Now we, we did, I, I'm not sure if uh, Fry, Forgive me. I'm I'm blank. Madison. I'm blank. I'm blanking on the name of the offensive line coach that was just here before Fry. Um, oh, well, Greg Madison was here for a while, but it was um, God. I can't remember who was directly before Fry. I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised that you would put Justin Fry though over um, uh, Corey Dennis though when it comes to you know guys. Well, he was an, he was another name, but and I guess yeah, if you want to call it for you know Corey. I almost don't even put the quarterbacks coach in the same like distinction in terms of that's, positional that's assistance, fair. That's fair. but especially, especially on a team with Ryan, like a Ryan day coach. Team. That's exactly right. But again, Dennis is another name that have been figured on the, on the block, I think. And, uh, but that, but even then his, I believe he's on an expiring deal as well. Mm-hmm. So that that's another situation where they can just kind of conveniently let that guy go with some grace as opposed to, unceremoniously firing him um so i wasn't you know that i think safety was kind of a letdown on the recruiting trail i obviously styles is a is an exception to that but mm-hmm. he didn't have a great second half of the season either and when you you kind of alluded to it you contrast eliano's lack of like you know thriving to the thriving that we've seen Walton have this, 
this renaissance that now has us hopeful that BIA is once again uh, resonant with Ohio State's brand. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I'm not as surprised as I've seen some other people today. And it does kind of surprise me to see other people, including you, surprised. Well, it's it's mostly because I think if you're prioritizing, um, I don't know, I, there's a finite amount of coaching talent and there's a limited amount of time to get it. And so for me, like, I would not prioritize right now the safeties um, as a place where it's like, really, we, we got to improve here. Like, I don't know that's necessarily the case. I feel like you know, you do need a better guy uh, to help you out offensively, not necessarily at quarterbacks, although that's definitely true, but I think you need to bring in an offensive mind. Um, offensive line in general, I think had improved throughout the season and then they looked just completely awful in the cotton bowl. Uh, Greg Sedraro, by the way, was the guy right before Justin Fry. Yes, that's uh, right. Who did not do a good, and he was, uh, I think not very good in the recruiting. I got trail. my Greg's confused. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I just think there's better areas of focus right now in terms of, of what you're trying to get. But I, you know, I also think that right now, Ryan Day is in, um, he's not in rebuild mode, but I, I think he realizes that if he gets a lot of these guys coming back, he wants to maximize their potential. And I think also, I mean, honestly, he probably saw a little bit about what uh, Harbaugh did you know, three or four years ago where it's like, okay, well, we're going to cut your pay in half and you're going to use that money to go find the best possible coordinators. And that's what Harbaugh did. And it's, it paid dividends. So um, I don't know. I, if, if you have that guy available, if there's somebody there who can, um, uh, you know, really revolutionize your team, make it that much better then yeah, you go out and get them. Uh, I also think though that, you know, it's just, it's, they don't, those people don't fall into your lap. So it'll be interesting to see who they end up actually um, replacing Eliano with. And, and if it's a guy like, you know, that's coming up, it's going through the coaching ranks and is really uh, might maybe surprise some people or, or maybe somebody who's already established through the NFL. I don't know. We'll see how that looks as well. Um, so that is uh, kind of the first part here. We're going to do a little ask us anything. Uh, before we do that, we remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. I recommend you check it out. It's cold out. Buy some things to put on your body so you're no longer cold. I think that's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. So if you would like to ask us literally anything, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com for Ask Us Anything, our favorite part of the show. Uh, let's start off with this question from Gary, who says, why did we wait so long to get involved in the portal? You wait, you lose. Um, here's what I'll say about that. This is my personal take. I think Ohio State, and I think we talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago as well. Ohio State wants to prioritize the guys that they do have instead of overpaying for the guys that they don't. And I think they see teams like Miami or Auburn or Texas A&M throwing gobs and gobs of money at dudes and go, that's stupid. We don't know how proven any of these dudes are. Uh, we do know what we have on campus, and we're going to try to like hell to retain that. And I, I think that's a big part of it. They could have probably just thrown all their eggs into the basket of Cam Ward. They would have lost a lot of the guys who are now coming back, and I don't think the team would have been any better for it. So I, I, that's to me why they do that. I think that's why they they were a little bit more patient and waited a little bit longer than 
other teams did. Yes. Some, some schools such as Miami have infinite booster money. Some schools such as Texas A&M will sell their state nuclear secrets to <laughs> uh, foreign entities right. to support their football interests. Hey, real quick, real quick, because I had totally forgotten that. So you just said that. Can you recap that for people who uh, maybe aren't familiar? Oh, I with couldn't. That story? Po- I couldn't possibly recap that. You're going to have to do that yourself. I, right. I don't know because... anything enough about that story's particulars other than just making that joke. No, well, okay. So, uh, where there was a tweet that I I'm saw. paraphrasing listeners, but if you don't know what happened, basically it was revealed that Texas A and M uh, sold their nuclear secrets. Uh, I mean, they have a nuclear weapons program at yeah, that yeah, school. Yeah. I'm not making it up. They do. Uh, they sold them to Qatar, I uh-huh. think. So. Yeah, so this is from, uh, what was it? It was, I don't know what this is called. IS, I don't know. Anyway, maybe, I don't even know if this is like a real uh, thing. But apparently, Texas A&M, uh, they were, um, U.S. national security officials were worried about uh, Texas A&M's uh, nuclear weapons development, um, giving too much information to Qatari uh, nationals or something like that jimbo fisher <laughs> uh, and so uh one of the one of the tweets i saw about it was uh the anti-nil people who say college football players getting paid is the end of the world may be taking a victory lap but they definitely had no idea it would be nuclear proliferation by boosters <laughs> <laughs> uh so hey look at least you can rest you know easy in the the uh, knowledge that ohio state is not um inching us closer to nuclear warfare <laughs> trying to retain tyler uh williams so that's pretty good the uh, patriots have rebranded as the aggies <laughs> that's right the the old wise men um they call themselves the church of johnny football snake <laughs> We need you to infiltrate. Johnny Manziel. Well, 12th man. Who is this mysterious 12th man? Uh, The 12th man sounds like a Metal Gear Solid. No, it does. It does. The 12th man. And then, like, they show him in, like, silhouette. With, like, a question mark over him. How does this work for, like, every college football story? It's so good. It's so good. God, if I had more talent, yeah, this is, <laughs> it works perfectly. Um, okay, this next one's here from Kevin, who says, uh, guys, please prognosticate way too early. Who do you think will win the college football playoff next year? Alabama, question mark? I don't know, Kevin. Who I, Did anybody predict, honestly? I don't have the bandwidth to think about next season yet. I don't I'm either. still and, mourning this one. And, and here's the other thing. Like, did anybody really think that the national championship game would be between Michigan and Washington. No, not anybody that writes for an Ohio state website. No. no. And I don't even think anybody who writes for a Michigan or Washington like that. Like I understand, you know, people like to get ahead of their skis a little bit when it comes to the prognostication game, but that I, I couldn't tell you, man. And honestly, I thought Georgia was going to sleepwalk to the national championship this season. Me too. Yeah. And it didn't happen. So, I mean, you never know. Um, 
All right, so this is from Jeff, who wants to know, why didn't the backup running back get any playing time in the bowl game? Where were the slant passes, shortstop passes, wide receiver screens gone? They used to be staples of our passing attack. Uh, here's the thing. The offensive line was getting destroyed at the point of attack, and it didn't matter who the running back was uh, because they were going to get annihilated no matter what. And the reason why you don't throw slant passes, shortstop passes, wide receiver screams is for the exact same reason. <laughs> they get picked off. They they get bad in the line of scrimmage. Um, they really had no good options except to like figure out a way to block better or maybe bring in a tight end, and they didn't do that. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's not going to do a whole lot. I mean, the guy that started at center for the team all year and then didn't play in the Cotton Bowl said it himself that they're like, yeah, I mean, this game we don't really care as much as the one is last year. But, you know, it's it's like, you know, we – you want to win every game, but obviously we we all know – we all see what's going on. And I'm I'm heavily paraphrasing that. But it's the the point that – Oh yeah, we're a high level enough program where the objective is to win every game, but you know, if we're being very realistic about it, this game has nothing to do with what any of our goals were for the rest of the season. That's so right. it really is just a glorified exhibition. And they kind of treated it like that. They did. So yeah. I mean, you know, just if they didn't care, you shouldn't as a fan really get up as work get as worked up about it as I think a lot of people have in uh, retrospect. Get worked up about how the the roster moves are going to affect uh, next season. But, you know, like I said, right. I don't even have the bandwidth to get worked up about next season right now. So I'll just, I'll just sit up here and uh, react happily or get upset at whatever news happens across our desks. I'm just waiting for the spring game. Yeah. Like, and I was, I was talking to a coworker. I was like, I feel like this is going to be the most consequential spring game in a very long time. And it, even the last, I mean, honestly, the last two have been consequential, but this one feels like super serious. So, I mean, shoot, I might even go to that sucker. Uh, I think every spring game is overhyped. Uh, I mean, it is, but I'll care is the point. Uh, so this next one, so this is from Joshua, have you actually sent two, First one is one we kind of talked about with uh, Will Howard and the transfer portal. This one, <laughs> complete 180. I don't know if it's complete 180, but it's different, which is uh, how good are you at resisting itching and itch? So scratching an itch. Oh, horrible. Really? Like you can't? Uh, I, you can't like like uh, if, we're, if we're 1 to 10 and like 10 is like I'm, I'm incredibly capable of resisting. Yeah. I'm probably, I, I'm a two. Like <laughs> on, on my best day, I'm a two. No, so, it'll drive me nuts. I need to itch it. If I ever get something that's like below my skin or, or something, I'll, I'll lose my mind. I dread that day arriving. Here's the thing. I'm a pretty, I feel like I'm pretty Zen about that stuff. Most of the time. Like if I really, oh, like, well, good for you, Johnny boy. Well, but, but there's a caveat to that because typically I'm pretty, you know, all right, I got something in my eye or something. Okay. I can, I can handle it. I can ignore it. It's Listen fine. to this peaceful library right. over here. That's right. I've reached a level of Zen due to Colleen Hoover books and, and the fourth wing. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to reveal something to the Dubcast listeners which is that I got shingles in April. <laughs> now I want to remind all fun. of you. Well, I want to remind all of you, I'm a 38 year old man. So I got, I got this, this illness uh, that typically affects people in their sixties and seventies uh, in my late thirties, which is super great. And for two weeks, 
I was just like, it was on my back. It was, it was just made this like slashing uh, direction on my, on the left side of my back. And I was scratching it literally every 20 seconds. And it was, it was infuriating. I thought I had like bug bites or a rash or some kind of thing. Uh, and then it exploded into shingles and I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. And I was out for like five days. Um, but after that, I feel like my resistance has become much lower and I'm hyper aware of all itches. And um, I don't know. It's it's definitely it's changed, is what I would say. No, I, I sympathize. My dad, I think, got it when he was in his forties. So I know it's a much. It's way worse for you to get it like the older that you are. Oh so yeah, the younger the, it's it, get like, that when you're thirty eight is not. I can't imagine that's a, a fun experience. It so wasn't fun, but I will, I agree with you. It's not as bad as as when you get it as an elderly or elderly person. An elderly person. There you go. Um, so real quick, we got a we got a big question here from Pete, and I'll try to like I'll crunch it down a little bit. Um, so one of the things that he was talking about is like the defense in particular, and, and uh, he kind of put in a couple things here. I'm I'm just going to address the first part of your question, uh, Pete. Uh, but really, the kind of collapse of the defense towards the end of the games, and he was kind of wondering why that was and why teams were able to sustain drives against Ohio State uh, later in the second half. That's what happens when the offense gives you nothing. That's right. That's right. It has nothing to do. I don't think it has anything to do with scheme. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, give a damn or anything like that. Those guys are tired. <laughs> They're really, really tired. Ohio State does I'm not a have Bears a fan, so I've seen it many, many That's times right. when a great defense gets left out on the field way too often and finally breaks. That's right. And it, it again, like, it has nothing to do with talent, scheme, any of that stuff. It was just, I think, Ohio State. And he, he mentions not just like the Cotton Bowl, but like Notre Dame and Penn State and Michigan. It's like, okay, but that's because your offense isn't – like remember what happened offensively in those games for Ohio State. They were not staying on the field. And then in lieu of that, you've got an offense or a defense that's that's stuck out there. So I think they just um, – I don't think it has anything to do with them, uh, you know, being found out or just getting got it's just they were exhausted and that's there's a there's a there's a symbiotic relationship between the offense and the defense and when the offense doesn't help put its defense in a position to win games the team loses it's what happened against michigan and then it happened in the cotton bowl yeah it's very easily explained yeah and that's and that's pretty much it so um last thing here this is from our good friend alvin this is another prognostication question and which is i can understand why people want to move on right but it is a little difficult on january 8th um but very early predictions here what do you set the over under for wins for ohio state in 2024 uh ohio state's got a pretty easy uh, front part of their schedule they got akron western michigan marshall michigan state iowa then they got to go at oregon that's rough um, Nebraska, Penn State, that's at Penn State, uh, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, and of course, Michigan. Um, where would you set at least the over-under? What's not, well, let's not... It, was ten, it was 10 and a half this season, and that's for regular season wins, so that's not including any trips to the Big Ten Championship. Correct. Right. Um, so I, I, th- I took the over. I put that in the betting preview, and that uh, hit. I don't see why that wouldn't be the projected line again for next season. Um, I think that's that, fair. Yeah. Cause that gives you the, the out of losing to Michigan um, at the end of the season, you know, obviously they got to run the table, but then 
the reverse of that is they have some non-conference flub. They can still redeem that by by running the table to the end of the year. Yeah. Um, in I which mean, case, a, a, like ten and a half. What ten and a half says is that it's a three-game season, right? It's Oregon, Penn State, and Michigan, and. If you bet the over, you think they're going to win two out of three. And if you bet the under, you think they're going to lose two out of three. Right. So I think that's fair. I think 10 and a half is probably a good place to put it. That's where I would put it too, especially with the guys that they got coming back. I think I think defensively they'll be solid enough to hang with anybody. It's just whether or not they'll be able to put up points. So yep. that's where I'm at. Uh, so that's Ask Us Anything. Excellent questions as always from you guys. Uh, let's kind of move on towards the end here um first of all quick quick uh national championship update um washington's hanging tough with the michigan wolverines uh it's it's 13 i haven't to, looked since we started recording is it's it thir- it's 13 still- to 20 uh in the fourth quarter washington is has the ball they're driving a little bit and uh we'll see what happens they michigan I can't has bear to watch they had they've scored six points uh since the first quarter so uh, Washington been shuffling has, around my apartment, like Hubert Farnsworth all day, muttering, <laughs> I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Well, like I said, they, Washington could pull it up. They just have to complete. They got to get, they got to get a touchdown. Um, obviously they have to get a touchdown, but I don't think they can wait. I think this has got to be the driver, the next one. Um, cause eventually Michigan's going to do something stupid and, and score a touchdown on like an 80 yard run or something. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Real quick, uh, first of all, interesting item of note, Walter, quote, unquote, Ted Carter Jr. is now officially Ohio State's 17th president. If you look at this guy's resume, kind of wild. He, um, first of all, he was a superintendent of the U.S. Naval Academy uh, prior to being, I think he was at uh, Nebraska, right, Um, before moving on. But he was superintendent of the U.S. Naval Academy, 54th president of U.S. Naval War College, he was a uh, uh, instructor in Top Gun, and his call sign was Slapshot, which is pretty cool. Uh, that's President of, Slapshot to you. That's right, President. Anybody. He was a vice admiral. Um, this guy is is pretty damn well accomplished. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys. They asked him. I think uh, they asked him about Ryan Day, and kind of gave just kind of a non-committal answer. Um, I, I think he's yeah well you know he, he i don't think he's thought two seconds about ryan day or football um in the past 24 hours i think he's got other bigger things on his plate um what what school are you the university president of again <laughs> he's he's president, the president slapstick i'm sorry what was your name buddy <laughs> he's the president of a very large medical um institution that has a college wrapped around it and i'm pretty sure he's uh, aware of that so anyway, good luck to him. I, I think that's fantastic. We actually talked to Christine Johnson uh, early on in her tenure. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk to uh, to Ted here, um, Vice Admiral Ted. I think that would be pretty sick. C.J. Stroud came out, and uh, Texans have not gotten a lot of primetime love, um, but they went out and they beat um, – basically it was a win-and-end kind of situation. They went to Indianapolis and, and took it to the Colts. CJ Stroud was fantastic throughout. I think at one point in, in the uh, determining drive, he was like seven for seven for 80 yards or something like that. Yeah, he uncorked a 75 yard touchdown in like the first or second play of the game. Um, he's legit. I mean, obviously, but I, 
you know, the over under on wins for the Texans, I think was like five and a half at the beginning of the season. <laughs> and now they're 10 games into the playoffs. So I think that's pretty amazing and uh, more power to him. I, I, I hope they get pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah. And anybody that wants and I hope to they beat the Browns Ryan to Day's, do it. Yeah. Well, and anyone that wants to see Ryan Day's head roll, I mean, CJ Stroud, I mean, it, you should have heard what Stroud said. I think, I, I think it might have been on McAfee's show uh, maybe today or yesterday, um, but he he effectively said, like, I, I the reason that I'm, you know, thriving in this moment is because I was so prepared for it at Ohio State. Right. He talked about how he actually had more responsibilities and things to worry about in the Ohio State offense and with the kind of, like, responsibility that Ryan Day was entrusting to him than what he actually has to deal with on the Texans now and which is so weird that, well <laughs> that I don't a, think it's weird I, I think it speaks weird. I don't th- I don't because if they're you know they're they this program has branded itself as we're going to get you ready for the NFL sure. and what gets you prepared for that is I mean, they are not only consistently putting players from multiple positions into the NFL, but one of the ways that they're doing that is they're putting, they're developing them within a program that holds itself to the sta- the, the standards and practices of not just one style, but multiple different styles of professional football that they can go in and contribute in an immediate capacity to any one of these franchises. And the way that you do that is by cramming a lot of concepts into these players' brains, which is what Knowles does on defense. It's why there was so much growing pains with players in the first year of his system when he was here, even though there was improvement. They talked about how the, the variety of coverages and schemes that they were running was so much more complex than what they had under the previous coordinators. The same thing obviously applies today in terms of, yeah, you could just listen to Stroud talk about how complicated Ryan Day's offense is. And this was, you know, pre Michigan signal stealing, like when we were conscious of that. And now presumably the way that they're going to have to, you know, call in and coordinate that to, from the staff to the players next year is going to change too. Um, so, you know, you you can see in that sense how he's saying, oh, there's less responsibilities now because obviously they don't have to rely on the signal system as much in the NFL because they can just radio it in. Yeah. But he's obviously talking about more than just that when he says, I have less to, to stress about in this offense than what I had at Ohio State. And that, like, helped prepare me for this moment. So, like, what Stroud well, did this year is a, a stirring endorsement. I know, but it's a stirring right. endorsement of his tenure here. And I, I I don't think that it's being represented enough as the positive for Day that it should be, even when Stroud is basically begging for it himself. And it stinks <laughs> because, like, they'll – I, I it does feel like the day in a lot of ways like gets scrutinized much more heavily for his mistakes than celebrated for his success 
we're even talking in terms of his staff management for this moment right now. Mm-hmm. People are up in arms over the fact that, you know, Parker Fleming is still around. And it's right. like, <laughs> this guy, this guy brought in Knowles. Right. And then he brought in uh, Nolan right afterwards. And like they, and they've, he's got so many guys that have been absolutely crushing it in recruiting. And we're still seeing the turnover of, roster talent going to the nfl so Mm -hmm. it's it's not like that the key pillars of what made this program a high level success are missing there's just tweaking and adjustments that need to be done and the stuff that is there and is still successful i think day deserves more credit for leaving that in place now five years removed from urban meyer then he's probably getting, whereas the gaps that are identifiable that are still there, he gets all of the blame for, and then some. Yeah, well, and that's and that's fair, and and I do I do think that it's it's cool that uh, C.J. Stroud is so upfront and open and repeatedly, uh, you know, has made this point that he is, you know, he is who he is because of what he learned at Ohio State. And I love that. I, I do think that's awesome. And you know what? I think a lot of it is in direct response to this idea that Ohio State can't develop quarterbacks. I think CJ Stroud was definitely aware of that. And I think he I think he resents that. Oh my bit. God. That narrative is finally dead. Isn't it great? Yeah. One well, one of an Ohio State quarterback is going to the NFL playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's sick. And and you know, I mean he's it isn't like a fluke. I mean the guy clearly, you know, in terms of his ability to read the, the field and his mechanics, blah, blah blah blah, everything that I can say about him. I mean, he's an elite quarterback and I think he will be so for a long time. Like uh, that okay. narrative has existed since I was a kid. Oh god, like, no. It's been Would you have guessed decades. Stroud of all the quarterbacks that have come through here would have been the one to finally like kill that? And in his rookie season. I didn't think he'd do it in his rookie season. It's, I inexpl- did think, it's inexplicable. No, I mean, with the, the Texans and the talent that he has around him, I don't think anybody expected that. I did think that he was going to be successful in the NFL just because, I mean, I, I watched him play football. <laughs> and, you know, I know how accurate it is. I know how good he is at diagnosing defenses, all that they stuff. They had, I, like, the worst offensive line in the sport last year. And I, I didn't think he had any shot no. at being good this year just because of that. Yeah, no, I was I, worried they were going to ruin him this year. Well, because of and that, that that was my key concern too, is that he would just get lit up so often that he wouldn't have the opportunity to be any good. That's how I felt about Burrow actually, like getting to the league. I was like, this dude's just going to get hit a trillion times. And that is what ended up happening the first season. Yeah, how, how did his season go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because um, that that's always a fear. But C.J. Stroud uh, has just been super savvy and done everything you need to do as an elite star quarterback. So more power to him. Real quick. Um, uh, high state men's basketball you know i don't think we can quite determine uh, whether or not the the post uh, christmas curse has has truly affected them they you know they came out they they beat ruckers uh, 76 to 72 uh ruckers had a pretty big comeback in the second half but ohio state was able to shut that down and then um against indiana you know, they just couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, and that's really the thing. We've talked about this. Like, this is a team with one gear. And if they, they're in that gear and everything is working out, then they're going to win the game. If they're not hitting their threes, then they're going to lose. And they don't have an ability to go inside and, and, you know, play a different style of basketball. So, you know, they were 25% from three, seven for 27. Um, they were really bad in the second half. And they've now lost 11 straight Big Ten road games. 
So I don't know, man. I, I don't think that there's like some imminent collapse of the team. I think the fundamentals of Gail, Madison, or Matt, what am I saying? Jesus. Uh, Gail, Battle. We are and... so desperate to shoehorn Madison's into this show <laughs> That's tonight right. for some reason. And, and Thornton, if, if these guys, um, you know, if they're on, they can play with anybody right? Like those are three really, really talented guys. Uh, but if they're not, those shots aren't falling, then they've got some issues. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the rest of big 10 play. Um, I, I don't think my overall attitude toward this team has changed a whole lot. So hopefully in the next few games, uh, we'll see a bit of a turnaround. They can avoid that. They're, they're still a fun team. The thing yeah. that just is yeah, going to kind of hold them back and will probably hold them back from like, getting to the sweet 16 or something, which I would guess is one of the goals that Holtman has mm-hmm. is they, there's just too many mental lapses that in a game that you end up losing by like six points, it's just too easy to look back at plays where they're doing something as simple as inbounding the ball or making an outlet pass. And they just give it away for like easy transition points. Right. Right. Like those, it that that cost them really badly in the first half against Penn State, as well as the second half. I mean, they finished that game with like an enormous amount of turnovers. Mm-hmm. But the same thing happened early on in the Indiana game, where they were very very lucky to go into the half with a one point lead, oh, given you. that they had several game uh, instances where they were just letting Indiana get easy transition points. And in most cases, it was off of very bad self-inflicted turnovers, many of which were just like the product of taking the ball up the court too fast and then just Mm -hmm. not kind of resetting or getting the ball to the primary ball handler and then just kind of losing it and creating a counter transition opportunity. So there's, there's correct. Those mental lapses are correctable, which should make you at least a little bit optimistic, but the fact that it was a problem for them against Penn state, uh, which was, you know, their 10th big 10 road loss in a row. And now they go on the road to Indiana and it's the same thing again. I mean, you, this is a pattern that you need to see corrected if you want to see this team successful. And we're now in the month for Holtman, the, the long night of January where for a lot of in a lot of cases the pattern for his tenure has been the team kind of goes off the rails until it regains its form in February. So I think the th- the big thing to watch for this month is how often does this team beat itself with turnovers but specifically turnovers that lead to transition points. If they reduce that, I think that they're going to beat most of their opponents more often than not, even when they have bad shooting nights, because the reality is like, even though they had two not great shooting nights from Thornton and Gale, they were still in that game in the first half because Jamison battle was hitting everything. Like, I don't know how many of those seven threes were his, but it was probably at least half of them. I know that he hit his first, he hit the team's first three in the first, like, first three threes I should say in the first half so you're probably not going to get a night where all three of those guys go totally ice cold Mm -hmm. so if you're realistically going to at least be able to get offensive production particularly perimeter production from one of those guys if you just don't make mistakes 
you're probably going to be in most of those games. So I still think that this outlook for this team is very optimistic, even going into January, but the, the flaws that need to be corrected for their play style, I think are pretty obvious whether or not they actually do get corrected will come down to uh, how effective their coach is at doing that. The narrative during this month is he's not great at turning it around. I think for his long-term outlook at Ohio state, having a good month of January would make a really big impression on that. Well, it's going to be hard because they've got uh, Wisconsin coming up, 15th ranked Wisconsin. Uh, They get them at home. They get to play Michigan, which Michigan, I got to tell you something. There's never a team to take out your frustrations on right now of of watching Michigan football be successful and then, you know, losing – uh, basketball games stuff. right now this is the time to just get michigan basketball because they look like I, i'm glad Jawan howard um, finally admitted that phil martelli is the actual head coach that's right that's right that's right just let him whatever just let him take over it's fine like, we're not pretending anymore that's right um uh penn state i mean obviously you can get a kind of a revenge game on there you get him at home but ne- nebraska northwestern illinois that is a tough stretch those teams all are decent to very good and um, two of them are on the road. So, you know, I don't know how many of those games are going to win in January, but uh, I do think I agree with you. I mean, if you want to reverse the curse, you want to change the narrative a little bit, then you're going to have to you're going to have to surprise some of these teams on the road um, or win just one damn road game. <laughs> so that's where we're at with men's basketball. Where we're at with the national championship game, uh, Michigan got the ball back. We're under ten minutes to go. They're still up by a touchdown. We'll see how that goes. Uh, We'll go, we'll go ahead and, I guess, just follow the end of this game, and then we'll talk about it next week uh, for probably 20 seconds because I don't want to dwell on it if Michigan wins. Um, <laughs> I'll just pretend it didn't happen. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next week. Take care, folks.